0: Hello and welcome to the Ticker podcast with me Noah Stefano. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Pulse by public.com providing tools for IR teams to engage with retail shareholders. For this November edition of the Ticker, we delve into retail investor behavior with a focus on the UK capital markets. Dan Bibas, GM of International at Public, joins us on the show to talk about the tale behind his company expansion into the UK market. We discuss how Public's offer is aiming to revolutionise investing for tech savvy users and to break barriers faced by UK investors. But first, we speak to one of the Fortune 500 companies, Tractor Supply Company. The company's CFO, Kurt Barton, and the senior vice president of Investor Relations, Mary Wynne Pickington, talk to our senior reporter, Garnet Roach, about the firm's unique approach to IR and delve into how company culture is shaping investors' perception. Barton and Pilkington also discuss the company's corporate access strategy with a spotlight on immersive events that help the business craft a compelling narrative. And this is coming up now on the Ticker Podcast.
1: So Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of The Ticker Podcast. We're joined today by Kurt Barton, CFO of Tractor Supply Company, and Mary Wynne Pilkington, Senior Vice President of Investor Relations and Public Relations at Tractor Supply Company. Thank you both for joining us. So to start with, I I was hoping that you guys could sum up a little bit about your approach to investor relations at Tractor Supply. And Mary Wynne, how you use investor relations both internally and externally, and where you choose to put your energies, I suppose.
2: Oh, that's a great one Um, that gives us a lot of opportunity to have fun, Garnet. You know, we have a great story to tell. The great thing about working at Tractor Supply is Kurt and the rest of the management team really believe that investor relations can be a competitive advantage for us. And so they are willing to invest in events and access. And, you know, when I think about investor relations, you know, you look at kind of like what does the investor relations officer control, right? And so, and then what do we influence? And there's so much that we influence from when it comes to management access, you know, what is the pitch about tractor supply, you know, um, that accuracy of sales side coverage, you know, all of those things kind of build together along with, you know, our disclosure and transparency. And so all of our events that we have are really, how do we showcase how unique and differentiated we are? And some of the, um, you know, things that we've done are very simple as a virtual store tour. So for somebody, I give the example to Kurt a lot about, you've got an investor who maybe grew up in Singapore, went to school in Canada and lives in San Francisco. And the stock screens positively for them, but they're sitting behind a desk. So how do you bring that to life? And, um, you know, a store from San Francisco, we're easily an hour away probably from um, any metro city center where many money managers are located. And so um we've done things like that. We do um you know open houses, we do virtual and hybrid events along with in-person events at our headquarters, and I think um what that we call the store support center, because we are there to support the stores, and the stores have conducted over 30 store tours this year for the investment community this year alone.
1: Wow, that's a lot, that's very interesting. Um and Kurt, you you mentioned company culture and how important that is to Tractor Supply, and I was wondering how that I suppose weaves itself into the investor relations program, and whether or not that translates into a high proportion of retail shareholders as well.
3: Yeah, it is a it's a critical point. Uh, I'll start with saying, Tractor Supply is a you know a customer service lifestyle, culture-based organization. So uh, we believe our culture and our team members are critical number one asset and a a significant differentiator. So of course, we want that to come out into our investor relations. It is part of our targeted strategy for the investor that we want, the long-term investor, the investor who is interested in a great solid culture that has a uh, strong team member engagement, a uh, low turnover. So first off, our position is, is that that's the part of the target investor that we look for. So we very purposely uh, bring culture in. And what we do particularly is we make sure that culture comes out uh, either very formally as a topic or we weave it in to our investor relations uh, conversations. When Hal and Mary Wynn and I are having that conversation, we love it when they ask about culture. And if they're not, we're weaving it in. So Mary Wynn hit one aspect of it, which is customer service. So uh, to have customer service across all channels and across across all aspects of our business, uh, we ensure that even at our store support center, often referred to by other companies as their corporate office, but our store support center uh, that we hire people that are customer service oriented. And then they understand our philosophy is we serve those who serve those who serve our customers. And then we weave that into our, our conversations that it's not just about high touch customer service in the store, but throughout our, um, our organization, we, uh, we live and breathe that, and maybe the second thing I'd I'd say that's key to us in culture and what we talk about is it's important to to do two things. One, hire your customer. So those that live this lifestyle that are passionate about it, we hire them to work within the company. Uh, we promote very heavily from within our stores into the store support center, and then we hire to um, our our customer lifestyle so that you just have that breathing throughout the organization. We just, we bring that up and we talk about that. We share stories. I think storytelling, we've got to be able to bring example and tell stories so that it just naturally comes out in in what we talk about. And Mary Wynn's a great example. We have uh, our head of investor relations who's from rural America that grew up you know a parent owning a feed store and can talk the business all the time so it, it it comes out that way when she's across the table talking to investors
1: and so i was wondering given given the kind of the real sort of lifestyle of your customers and and the crossover between the company and how people are living their lives and what their values are does that translate into them wanting to invest in the company as well? And if it does, I wonder how you kind of tailor your investor relations approach to retail shareholders.
2: Yeah, we haven't um, specifically targeted the retail investor, although we know people have a tendency to be able to really understand our business and understand how we make money is an important aspect attribute for a retail investor. And so we probably have just under 10% or so that would be considered retail. So I don't think we dramatically over index in that, but it is a a good, um, a nice um, position to have when you are a retail company. I uh, um, think the loyalty that we instill with our customer base certainly does carry over to wanting to own the stock. And again, because I think they can understand how we make money.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, when when we spoke last, you mentioned that um, analysts are sometimes surprised that tracks, Tractor Supply is a Fortune 500 company. Um, and I guess that goes back to that kind of telling the story to Wall Street and bringing this rural life to people that perhaps are not used to that. Um, and, I, and I wonder... You mentioned some quite interesting ways that you you do corporate access, for example, dinners with senior management, with people on rotation, kind of some of these things. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about investor education and also some of these events that you've put on, like the dinner, for example.
2: We believe our management is a competitive advantage as well at at Tractor Supply. So we want to be able to showcase our stores, our team members in the store, as well as our management team. And so we've used a very concentrated um, focus on what events do we have internally that we can leverage for um, investor access. And we do a Annual sales meeting at Tractor Supply. And I would say, what Kurt, we have maybe 4,000 people together in downtown Nashville. And it's the Tractor Supply just paints the town red, if you will, Tractor Supply red, and take over downtown Nashville, which is a lot of fun. And we were, we did this in July of 21. And then we did it again in. January from um, early February of 23 and we did an investor open house in conjunction with that annual sales meeting so everything from the concert um, that was being put on for our store managers all the way through our motivational speaker we gave the investment community access to that and so it was very structured with a started out with a store tour then we did the um, private concert allowed the investment community to attend that and had access to various members of management at that event. And then we followed that the next day with a walk on our vendor showcase floor. We have probably over a thousand vendors that come and set up booths explaining products and doing product demos and what's new and innovation and what's selling in what regions of the country. And, you know, it's really educational for our store managers. And then we tag on and we have our divisional merchandising Managers um, that are officers of the company conduct those tours of the vendor showcase floor with the investment community, so they really get a feel of the interaction of our vendors who are providing the products to our stores and how our store managers are viewing those products. And it's one of some of the investment community's favorite time at Tractor Supply is being on that vendor showcase floor. And it's um, from there we did um, roundtable luncheon where we had topics that each table, you know, whether it was real estate or finance or supply chain, customer insights. We did a Q&A at lunch around that and then um, allowed folks to come to the motivational speaker and leave on that high note. So that's the way we ran that play in February of this year. And that really, um, we had 45 people that attended, you know, they're coming from all over the United States and it was just a great event, high quality attendees. Um, with the mix on both the sell side and the buy side. And we got really positive feedback and traction with the investment
1: community from that. It's interesting because I mean, when I interview people, you hear always about kind of showcasing a deep bench of management and kind of trying to show company culture. But I, I don't think I've ever spoken to a company that does it quite to the extent and to the depth that you do it because it really is immersive isn't it? I mean somebody can come along and really become part of what it is that you're doing it
2: it's it, um, I say the enthusiasm from our annual sales meeting is like contagious you know when you've got that much that many people together excited about tractor supply i mean it leaves the investment community on. Gosh, the culture really does matter and it culture impacts every line of our P&L. There's just not a line to put it in your in a financial model. And so it really um, it, it, it's special. I mean, Tractor's is a special company and we've got a special team and not every company can do what we do.
1: So I wanted to talk a little bit about women in IR. So we do, I mean, Kurt, obviously you are not a woman in in investor relations, but you, (laughs) you know, I looked at, you know, Tractor Supply has a a good gender split in senior management, has a good gender split on the board. I wonder, do you have specific targets in place? um, Kind of how decisions are made around some of that, some of the recruitment there, um, kind of pipelines, anything like that, that you think about specifically as a company?
3: Yeah, definitely. So, from a diversity standpoint, at the most foundational level across the organization, we just have a deep-rooted belief and passion that we are a better organization uh, when we bring um, diversity across all aspects. And the way we put that into action is uh, it's a, it can be a little bit different by store versus like our store support center. But I'll just share for stores. Uh, we very formally monitor and then uh, set targets to help our stores, the store team member group reflect the customer base in their market. And so we, we have from our customer database, uh, particularly like our loyalty membership, we know um, pretty well what our customer base is in regards to male versus female, but also in other diversity. So we ensure that every customer coming in um, has a, a comfort level uh, to be able to interact and see that we reflect the customer base, male, female, even cultural um, aspects of the customer base. So that's that's the, the first thing we do across the organization. In our store support center, we try to also make sure, for instance, if you're recruiting in Nashville, that we've got a very... A diverse representative of the Nashville base. And particularly, you know, in regards to your question, male or female, it is, it is very natural that that is um, about a 50 50 split. And so we measure that from the top level to entry level. Uh, and we've made great progress. So I'll share a few examples in the finance organization where I know the data. Um, At the team member non-management level, we're we're very well um, diverse in regards to male female. We are probably a 55% uh, female, 45% male. That's pretty reflective of today in a finance world, though. Um at our management level, uh, my d- leadership team is a 50-50 split, but we watch um in the middle management level where you know it might vary anywhere from 30 to 70, 60, 40. And we just we continue to promote from within. And we're really proud that we've got a, a great base of a 50-50 to build from. And so uh, that's um that's the the aspect and lens that we look through, that we measure to. And I think when you set those, you succeed at what you measure, monitor, um, recognize and reward. And it's been a it's a tremendous value to us and in investor relations, um, as you see from the leadership team and uh, that we've got a we've got a great level of diversity underneath Mary Wynn. And I I think that shows well what I go back to. You got to tell the story and show the culture of your company
1: talking about younger people in investor relations and people that you you worked with in the team how how do you guys do you have rotational programs do you how how do you find people do people because it's interesting is it i mean i always ask people how they got into investor relations most people say they sort of fell into it somehow um, but i wonder you know in the last decade or so there's been courses on in ir there's universities have got different things that people can do are people seeking it out more um what's the what's the tractor supply process how do you find those people
2: Well, I think it's the best job in the company because you get, you know, you have such a broad view of so many different stakeholders and you get to work with the smartest people inside of the company and the smartest people outside of the company. So you better bring your A-gang to work every day. And so I think, you know, Kurt can chime in a little bit. We've done it a little bit both ways where we've had somebody who's been in role for longer periods of time. Um, I think at the head, I think it's really important to build credibility. And have relationships. This is a relationship business. And um, while data is a major driver and enabler, I still think today, when you look at it, it, it comes down to relationships and nurturing that. And so, having some continuity, I think, pays dividends. Now, at lower levels, having a rotational and somebody that understands what drives shareholder value will only benefit them longer in their career.
3: Yeah, I would, I would agree with Mary Wynn's comment, Garnett. Uh At the lower levels, we've seen success having rotational uh, programs and bringing people from various aspects of the business. And Mary Wynn hit some of the key you know, skill sets that are critical, a solid understanding of finance, a uh, good communication skills, but that if they understand the business well, and and I'll go back to it, if they can tell the story, uh, they've got a great opportunity to be successful. And investor relations can teach them so much that they can then use it and move into another part of the business. I will brag on Mary Wynn and our investor relations team. Uh, One of the things that is key to investor relations, especially if you've been communicating that, our culture is key, and customer service is that just like in anything else, customer service has to come out in investor relations to show our culture. And so those that move into investor relations within our organization, they see that the investment community is a customer to serve, uh, having immediate or that same day returning of phone calls, uh, knowing people's names and backgrounds. We say in our stores, it is important for you know your customer's name. Learn a new name every day. Re- you know, acknowledge your customers by name. Well, Mary Wynn is the best at knowing everybody's names, spouses' names, kids, dogs, and events. And I'll, I'll just give you one example that she does great to just continue to help, like Hal and I. If we're going to meet with an investor, she'll say, "By the way, you met with give in the you met with person A." Three months ago, remember their daughter goes to the same college that your daughter went to, and so and then sharing that so that our our culture comes out in conversation, and just another example of what I think great investor relation uh, programs can do for your organization is uh, bring relationships into it, and you've got to be able to connect and and uh, I think you know that adds to what you can look for in investor relations team members, but how you can how that program can be a, a catalyst for others in their in their career because there's things there you'll learn that you may not see in other aspects of the business.
1: Excellent. Kurt and Mary Wynn, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Ticker. It's been really interesting hearing about everything that you do at Tractor Supply Company.
2: Our pleasure, Garnet. Thank you for the opportunity.
3: Glad to join and glad to be able to share. Thank you. companies are always looking to build stronger relationships with current and potentially new investors if you're a public company pulse by public.com can help you build deeper relationships with your investors share your company narrative with innovative formats make investor information more discoverable reach retail investors where they're already engaged and much more pulse by public.com helps ir teams engage their retail shareholders amplify company communications and gain actionable insight into retail investor audiences visit public.com forward slash pulse to schedule a free demo
0: Welcome to IR Pulse, the segment where we talk to IROs, analysts and other executives about current trends in the investor landscape and their implications for IR. This month, I'm delighted to welcome to the show Dan Bibas, GM of International at Public. Dan, welcome to the tick-o. Uh
4: Thank you for having me, Naomi. I'm delighted to be here.
0: It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us to talk about retail investors trends this month. And uh, before we dive into that, though, could you you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Public?
4: Sure. So uh, my name is Dan. Nice to meet you all. Um, I am the GM International at Public. To date, Public has largely been a US-based multi-asset investment platform. Um, This past summer, we launched in the United Kingdom. And I oversee our country's international expansion. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more uh, about what our plans are for the UK, knowing me.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I just wanted to ask you about the launch uh, in the UK. So what uh, can you give us a little bit of an insight into that? And what was the thinking behind it? Why did you decide to launch in the UK?
4: Of course. So for starters, uh, we launched in the UK over the summer. We are thrilled to be in the UK. Uh, We think this is a natural evolution next step for a company like Public, which has... um, really grown steadily in the last few years in the United States. When we look into the United Kingdom, I think there are probably three things that we think make it a a very attractive opportunity for us, uh, an attractive opportunity for us to have a a positive impact on retail investors. Um, For starters, we think the UK population is very savvy and very well versed in new digital and mobile technologies and therefore um, a product like ours has a natural home in the United Kingdom. Um, secondly, we look at the United Kingdom and we see a very forward-looking regulatory environment, one that is embrace um, of financial technology and of fintech-like public. So that makes for a um, really terrific landing pad for our first market outside the United States. Um, and finally, we also see in the United Kingdom uh, an environment where, even with all the innovations of the last few years, the average retail investor is, in our opinion, not receiving enough information uh, not enough support in how they go about their investment. Uh, they are still likely overpaying in fees, specifically when it comes to investing in U.S. stocks and paying in foreign exchange. Um, and a lot of what we do at Public is to make the public markets work for all people. So whether it's through our product or pricing structure, etc., um, we believe we can have a positive impact on UK retail investors, which uh, deserve much better than what's available to them right now.
0: That is really interesting and I just wanted to pick up on the point of retail investors and just ask you a little bit. Uh, I, I want to know about the differences between uh, UK and US retail investors, but also, I mean, maybe to start with, what, what do you say in the current economic landscape are the, the top factors that are that matter to retail investors in general and what is influencing their decisions and what types of strategies are they prioritising?
4: Of course. So, um, a lot to unpack here, but maybe I'll share a few high-level thoughts. Um, For one, I think this is an environment where, um, for obvious reasons, more and more people are looking at their investments in the context of the macro environment, of the interest rate environment. So, I think when people think about investing in stocks, they do so, uh, but also look closely into Um, how much money can I be getting in my bank account? How much money can I be getting if I'm investing in UK guilds? And so therefore, that might change the overall dynamic. Um, It also feeds into a second point, which is diversification. So at Public, we've always always encouraged diversification. We think um, long-term financial security is more likely to be achieved through diversification. Um, And now is a time where there are still uh, plenty of opportunities in equity markets, but also other opportunities to counter that or to diversify that. Um, within the interest rate environment. Uh, and, uh, you know, this also comes at a time in the UK where incumbents and banks are under a lot of scrutiny because um, they are not necessarily passing on those gains from higher interest rates downwards to customers. So uh, a lot of different things, but hopefully that those two um, give you a flavor of, of what we're seeing.
0: No, definitely. And if we were to then look at those differences in between, um you know, behavioral difference between the retail investors in in the UK and those in the US, what would you say are the main differences that spring to mind?
4: Sure. So again, I think we can write um, many volumes on this, and, and I'm sure some people have. But if we were to stick to really our, our own learnings, and these are perhaps anecdotal, um, a few things. One, you know, retail investor participation to shares is lower in the United Kingdom than the United States. So the total number of people that are already actively investing in equities um, is lower. Uh, there's a, a positive and perhaps a negative here. Um, the negative is, hey, that means there are too many barriers. None of people have access to investing. And it means none of not as many people have um, make the most of the many opportunities that investing in capital markets can afford you. Um, the flip side of that is what we've noticed is that actually when you look into people that are already investing in the United Kingdom, um, it's actually a relatively savvy, smart, knowledgeable audience. Um, we see people, I think because the barriers have historically been higher, um, those that have chosen to invest over the long run uh, to date um, are maybe a very captive audience. So we've been delighted, you know, when we, we speak to members of our community, um, the level of awareness, the level of knowledge, the willingness to continuously learn more, we've found is is really high with our UK community. But on the flip side of that, we found the overall number of people participating is lower, Uh, but that's also the opportunity for a company like Public is um, retail participation is low and how can we unlock it to increase accessibility um, in the United Kingdom for investing.
0: Would you have just like one straightforward piece of advice for companies, you know, willing and looking to expand their retail shareholder base Um, in the the UK?
4: Are you talking more from the point of investing platforms like Public or? companies that are publicly listed that want to have more presence with their retail investors.
0: Com- companies that are publicly listed and want to have more presence. Yeah, sure.
4: So, um, you know, this is a personal tip. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there are many different ways to do this, but I, I would argue um, an emphasis really needs to be made on meeting your investors where they are. But, um, the, you know, how one communicates to a retail investor today is very different than it was uh, 20 years ago. Um, perhaps sending out... Um, PDFs or reports via financial advisors and through brokers at banks is quite frankly, not as in touch with modern needs as as today when uh, retail investors are on their phones and likely making their own decisions and building their own portfolios and less reliant on the many different middlemen that used to enable that journey. Um, So I would say the main one is um, to meet your customers where they are. And I'd say the second one is, um, hey, our attention spans are only getting shorter. Um, and so I think delivering information in a way that's concise, digestible, um, is only beneficial, more beneficial in this, the world we live in, I think, for the end consumer of that information
0: great great advice thank you and I mean back to some uh, you have highlighted some of uh, of the trends that uh that influence um uh, retail investor behavior I know it, i'm I'm sure in the us there have been some cultural moments this year like the Barbie movie and uh you know <laughs> um influencing yeah. those those decisions any any you know, trends that you think belong particularly to Europe, uh, so sorry, to the UK, um, that have impacted uh, financial markets this year, you think? And if there are any, what, what do you think companies can learn from them?
4: Um, I would say there were no um, sort of really major cultural moments that led to major uh, impacts on the stock market yet. Um, I'm sure they will come. Um I, you know, I think in general, um, if you take the Barbie example, I, I think it's a great opportunity to take something that's going to be in front of end consumers within that consumer base or investors um, and then finding ways for, uh, you know, whether it's a big companies or small companies, but publicly listed ones to take those cultural moments as they come um, and use them as a bridge to present more information and hopefully more sort of presentable information to their customers and investors. So um, to date, we're relatively new in the UK. So we haven't had those moments yet, but they will surely come. And I hope to see many companies using them as a bridge to be more relatable and to uh, connect more closely with their investors.
0: Okay, and just wanted to bring it back to investor relations. What, what, what considerations do you think um, IR predictioners should should keep in mind when communicating with retail investors? For example, earlier you said, you know, meet your investors where they are. What, what Where are retail investors nowadays, you think?
4: Yeah, so I think um, what we've seen in the last few years is uh, more and more retail investors rely on um, new investment platforms like Public, which make it easier more accessible than ever, um, and so I think for a lot of um, companies that are looking to get in touch with their retail investors, you know, where are they investing? Uh, which platforms are they using? Uh, where are they consuming their news? I think how someone consumes their news today uh, is very different, again, to how it was 20 years ago. Um, so there's no, I think, perfect or easy formula. It's a bit more of an art than a science, but I think there should definitely be an emphasis on finding you know, what are the outlets that uh, investors that are interested in your company and your industry What are they relying on to gather their information when they've gathered that information and they feel ready to make um, investments, where are they making those investments? And I think that's a a good place to start for um, companies that want to connect with their retail investors
0: okay and I think nowadays we can't have a podcast or you know write an article or anything without talking about artificial intelligence um so in this context then I just wanted to 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 get your views on how has the integration of uh, AI influenced the decision-making processes uh of retail investors I mean I think there was like one of your recent um reports a retail investor report, that uh had some data points showing that um an increase number of retail investors are using AI for their investment research. Um, So yeah, just um, if you had any thoughts on that.
4: Sure. So I I can comment on how we've launched Alpha in the United States as a step one. Um, A few things. One, I think at Public, we've always felt that we want to support our our members in making more informed decisions. Um, You rightfully pointed to a report, insights, etc. And so I think if you go through our uh, investment experience. Um, it's everything from uh, data tools to ways to balance, uh, and analyze your balance sheet. So I think Alpha um, is a really impressive tool because it builds on top of that. So we're, we already want to give our customers a, a rich um, experience when it comes to analysis and gathering information. What Alpha is um, really powerful with, and this we've seen with our US members today, is how do you gather and analyze information in a way that's much faster uh, and in a way that um, will likely gather more sources than you could if you were conducting your own research so to date i think um our alpha rule out in the u.s continues to be successful you know these like you said this is uh all very new all very topical uh we are literally learning every day of different ways to to use this technology i think the real outcome here is how to ensure that this really supports customers in making to become more comfortable, making more informed and more uh, better analyzed decisions. And today, we think it's um, it's already off to a terrific start in terms of what it's achieving and how it's supporting everyday customers.
0: Just just add uh, a question on, you know, um, out of curiosity on. You know how do you do you ensure when when you build a platform like Alpha that the information that it provides are as accurate as possible? I mean, surely that is one of the questions that your um, investors and users would would ask as well.
4: Um, of course. So one is um, there is a tremendous amount amount of quality control, and this isn't just for Alpha. Um, any new product, new feature is uh, you know built carefully with the interests of our customers at the the very top of the list, Um, and then once it's ready to deploy, we will uh, conduct all kinds of quality quality control. The idea here is to uh, ensure that the information is comprehensive, accurate, and will ultimately support our customers. Um, Over time, I think we're going to be able to go into more and more complex questions and answers whilst increasing the level of accuracy. Um, but it's also important to, to highlight that this is all relatively new. We are very much at the forefront of this, um, but it's still very new. And uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, if we if we have the same conversation in a month, um, we'll have more to share because uh, it, it's really changing every day.
0: Yeah, I I, I, can see that. Um, okay, just to wrap up then, just uh, wanted to ask you about a Public Future Plan. Are you going to launch uh, any other products that are currently available in the US, um, here in the UK going forward?
4: Yeah, sure. So... Um... Obviously, when we've decided to launch in the UK, it's part of a a very long-term plan to make uh, the UK part of uh, our our, broader ambitions at Public. Um, There are two sides to this is, um, sometimes there are products we have in the the US, um, which could be really helpful uh, for our UK customers. At that point, we'd wanna have parity between our US product and our UK product. There are other instances where we can see from customer demand or customer feedback that there are local UK products and features um, that need to be designed and built specifically for our UK audience. Um, and so we definitely have plans to continuously um, iterate the product and see it evolve. And I think over the next few months, no doubt years, um, we're going to be shipping out features really dependent on, on customer demand and customer feedback. Sometimes that will be products we have in the U.S., that we hope to see land in the UK. And sometimes we'll be building things that we think are specifically helpful and tailored to a UK audience.
0: Okay, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next. And thank you for joining us on the show.
4: Thank you for hosting me. Nice to meet you.
5: AI has the power to revolutionize investor relations, driving efficiencies in both market analysis and shareholder communications. However, there remain some major obstacles to its adoption. Concerns around privacy, transparency, reliability, and a general lack of awareness. Join us in New York on December 1st at our AI for IR forum to gain practical insight and intelligence on how IR teams can make the most of AI in an ethical and risk-averse way. The event will be supported by insights from our AI Working Group, in partnership with Notified, a network of global IROs and finance leaders at the forefront of this transformation take part in panel discussions and roundtables to find out how you can get started on this exciting journey that is shaping the future of IR. To find out about this event and others, head over to irmagazinecom forward slash events and secure your spot. We look forward to seeing you in New York.
0: You've been listening to the latest episode of the Ticker Podcast brought to you by IR Magazine in partnership with our sponsor, Pulse by Public.com. Huge thanks for their support. You can learn more about Pulse at Public.com forward slash Pulse. Thanks also to everyone who took the time of being with us today. For our listeners, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you like and subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, thanks for listening.